This gun sure looks deadly, but it's not the least bit deadly unless I point it at someone and pull the trigger. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Repeal the 20th Century. With me, I have Tim Baxter. Tim, do you want to introduce yourself? Well, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm happy to be talking with you today. I'm a state representative in New Hampshire. I'm running for Congress, and I'm trying to completely annihilate the swamp. Yeah, uh, you know, and that, that always gets me fired up. Uh, is anybody who wants to take on the, the establishment, which I think you, you've done both in New Hampshire and now we're trying to do in D.C., and, um, you know, Tim, I've known you for a few years now, and uh, ever since I started this show, I knew I wanted to have you on, and I said, no perfect time <laughs> than right now when he's running yeah. for Congress. So, uh, first, I wanted to talk about a little bit about that. Um, you know, you're somebody who, you got elected to the New Hampshire, um, it's the House, right, in New Hampshire, correct? Or Yep, that's yeah, right. The New Hampshire House of Representatives. Um in 2020 so you know you've only been in there for two years now um but you're ready you're already revving up to run for congress uh i kind of wanted to ask you what inspired you to move on from state politics already and move into the federal uh arena yeah it's a great question and i'll answer that in a sec but um i was gonna say you know your your show is called repeal the 20th century so of course i know you want to annihilate the swamp <laughs> you know that's you're the, you're the last person I'd have any doubts when it comes to that about. Um, but in terms of like why I decided to run for Congress now, um, you know, it, it's very similar in terms of my motivation, um, in terms of why I ran for state rep. I, I'm tired of seeing corrupt politicians trample over people's freedom. And politicians, they, they grow their own power and influence by taking away our liberty and freedom. And it, it's messed up, it's wrong. And we need people that believe in freedom and the constitution and liberty that will fight tooth and nail to defend it. And, you know, it, in New Hampshire, there is a golden opportunity to get a champion for liberty and freedom elected in the Congress in New Hampshire's first, which is uh, my home congressional district. And, you know, I've got the, the energy and the desire and the fight to win this seat. So I honestly just couldn't sit on the sidelines. I think there's so much impact I can have. Um, you know, I can have a greater impact in New Hampshire politics by getting elected to federal Congress than being in the New Hampshire state legislature. So that alone, just from that angle, it made sense to run. But then also, 
Um, you know, we desperately need more people that are talking about the swamp, that are trying to dismantle the swamp um, in Congress. And that's why that's why I decided to run for the U.S. House. Yeah, no, I, I think that is important. So, you know, normally I would probably be pretty critical of a run for federal races because I'm somebody who believes very locally and that we should win lots of local seats. But you're in a unique situation that you're in New Hampshire where, you know, the state politics are already very much inclined and leaning liberty. I think whoever takes over your seat, it's a very good chance that they're going to be um, a free stater and, and somebody who, who, who gets it, who is really on uh, fighting the establishment and making the state freer. So I'm not worried about, you know, your seat rather than like, say somebody who is a, you know, a more freedom loving guy, a more of a libertarian leaning guy, um, in say, you know, uh, even Wyoming or, or Texas, I'm a little more worried if he was losing it, but you know, you moving on the federal, uh, office, I think actually does a really good way of giving us a spokesman on the national stage, because that always trickles down a little bit into the state politics and, and setting and moving that that window, that Overton window. So what I wanted to ask you is what is your big goal when it, get, it comes to if you do win your uh, election, which I hope you do, um, and I think you're on track to yeah. do, uh, what is your big goal in not just moving the Overton window, but what, what do you want to get done in Congress? Yeah, it's a great question. And there's so many crucial issues. So I think about, you know, what I've been involved in, in terms of legislatively, I just think about what I've been involved in in New Hampshire. So I was on the Ways and Means Committee, and we passed really the only good budget in the entire country. Um, we dramatically expanded school choice by passing educational freedom accounts. We were the only state in the entire country to cut spending. Uh, we cut every major tax. That was all within one budget so all of those crucial um you know budgetary issues obviously the federal government we're, we've, we're over 30 trillion dollars in debt our deficit is out of control uh the federal reserve right they've grown their balance sheet by more in the last two years than in the the previous 100 plus years combined um, and that's why we see inflation at a you know at a record pace um, so all those budgetary issues but then things like occupational licensing and um, you know, tackling some of these critical issues like um, immigration um, that's going on in our country and uh, protecting free speech. You know, there's you know seven or eight protecting the Second Amendment, protecting all our constitutional rights, uh, reining in the deep state, and protecting our privacy. There's so many issues. Um, you know, I, I think w with U.S. Congress, so you have to keep in mind there's 435 members of Congress, and there's not very many that think that much like you or I, um, that's just, that's the reality. So I think a lot of it is, is a messaging platform, um, especially right now. And, um, you know, I would be the youngest Republican ever elected to Congress. I'm going to have a disproportionate spotlight if I win. And I can use that to sort of rekindle the flame of liberty, which I think is desperately needed um, in this country. Um, so if you if you like that, you can go to BaxterForCongress.com slash donate, and I'm sure I'll get that uh, plug in a couple more times, um, and you can support the campaign. Yeah. 
No, I I am definitely excited about that because, as you said, you know, you are very much outnumbered when it comes to Congress and, and people who are liberty-minded. Um, you know, there's a few people in there right now, but it's like Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, and, and not many other people. Uh, you know, I could name a few other people, but I think they're always on on the border uh, when it comes to actually being somebody who is liberty-minded. They they have they're good like 60% of the time or 70% of the time, but they're not like Massey or Rand Paul where they're good 90% of the time or basically all the time. And I think it would be great to have somebody like you who is going to come in as the youngest Republican and automatically just because of that, get all that media spotlight and be able to trickle down into, you know, um, I I remember, uh, so Hillary Clinton recently she was in an interview and she was talking about you know various things and she talked about um bitcoin and she you know she said the word libertarian and I made the joke online um you know Hillary Clinton just did the most for libertarianism than um more than the LP has ever done and I think that's very true because okay. of you know it is all about exposure, and I think having someone like you to talk about things that don't get talked about in Congress is a really big thing. And um, so I wanted to ask, you know, what what are some of the things that you think um, would be most beneficial for you to talk about uh, when you get to Congress that doesn't get enough of a media attention now? Well, one of the things I forgot to mention that is maybe one of the most important things of all um, it, it's really pr- probably the solution to a lot of the, um, the really only feasible political solution to a lot of the um, inflationary monetary problems we see, and that's cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Look at like the, the issue. This is a great parallel, I think. Look at the issue of um, taxi monopolies in New York City. The way you get rid of those, sure, if you had enough people that believe in freedom, could the, the politicians change the laws and make it pro-freedom? Theoretically possible not politically realistic. How do you change it? Through innovation. The free market innovates so quickly and it creates Uber, the politicians aren't able to ban it quick enough. And by the time people know what it is, it's providing so much value, so much better than the old uh, monopolistic um, bureaucratic system that people would you know, be furious with their politicians if they got rid of it. Plus, Uber, because it's innovating, is making a ton of money. So it gives Uber the ability to fend off attacks if, you know, um, when and if, um, and, and you know, when, because it's already happened, when uh, taxi cab, um, you know, unions, or I don't know if it's unions or if it's just groups, special interest groups, packs, whatever, try to attack Uber. Same thing with cryptocurrency, right? Bitcoin. And the crypto community has a lot of money now. The market cap for crypto is about $2 trillion. Um, and that's a powerful thing. And it's because this is changing the world. Crypto's changing one of the most important things, and that's money. Um, and so I think we need a politician that's really going to make it one of their biggest focuses is vehemently defending uh, crypto. And, and that's something I'll definitely do. Um, and, you know, I hope at some point I get kind of known as like the crypto congressman because um, I think I think we desperately need people like that. So that in particular um, is one of the most important things from a messaging 
uh, standpoint. And I think too, a lot of members of Congress don't understand crypto at all. The American public, it's, very, it's still very new. And so we need people that can explain what crypto is in simple terms. And that's something that I want to, you know, have a leading voice in. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. You know, crypto is one of those things that is very much um, helping us in fighting off the state and, and bureaucracy and, and you know, making ourselves independent, especially through the free market. And I think it's very interesting that if we can have somebody in Congress, because even, as I mentioned, Thomas Massey and Rand Paul, who are those big liberty voices, I don't think they're as outspoken on... Um, as, as they should be on how we have things that exist now that the free market does that makes our lives better and here's what we should do to protect that here's what we should do to fight that and I think having your voice and that messaging coming from you in Congress will do a tremendous amount of, of good even if it doesn't get other people elected to Congress who, who support you at the very least, it's going to do stuff for local races, state legislator races, and it and start making people think more about this issue and and you know hopefully wake more people up to it. Um, so I, I did want to kind of press into that though a little bit um, on the issue of cryptocurrency because we saw in the past budget that they added a tax in, in to tax cryptocurrency. And I wanted to ask you, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? Do you think they'll actually be successful in being able to, to kind of neuter cryptocurrency's ability to be an escape from bureaucracy and, and from the kind of fiat money system we have? Or do you think it, it'll ultimately prevail? Well, I think the biggest threat to cryptocurrency is um, government politicians and bureaucracy either banning it or regulating it to death and also the sort of the innovation many companies, they might go elsewhere. They might go overseas to climates where they're treated better politically, which is what you would expect. Um, so I would think that, you know, this this industry that's gonna, you know, dramatically change the world for the better, we should want America to be the leader in it. We should have the most pro-friendly crypto laws so we incentivize that innovation that we, you know, know if you understand crypto is gonna take place we should want that to be in America. Um, so that's, you know, that's so crucial, <clears throat> excuse me. But then also, you know, I just think more generally in terms of like specific cryptocurrency laws that are important uh, to be passed and to support. Um, I just think like Ron Paul's freedom and money uh, legislation, which I want to say, you know, he might've had it a couple of times. It was definitely was something he was talking about in 2012. And all it just means is like, when you think of the legal tender laws, right? You have Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrencies that are on a level playing field with the U.S. dollar. You shouldn't have the the politicians arbitrarily saying we're going to promote the U.S. dollar over cryptocurrencies. And so that means that um, just like the U.S. dollar gains on uh, on Bitcoin or cryptocurrency shouldn't be taxed. And you know I, I'm a you know, holder of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, so that would support me personally. And I think it's important that people know that. But I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, for the public as a whole, and and that's where we should be going. There's no reason why the politicians should be picking winners and losers when it comes to currencies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have to agree with that too. And you know, I I don't think we have that voice anymore to talk about um, 
currency in general. I mean, since Ron Paul left, again, going back to to to, to Massey and Rand Paul, while they're great on most things, um, you know, they're I I think they lack that messaging and they lack that um, a lot of the time, and they lack that that brazenness, which I'm really glad that you're kind of embodying that in your campaign and in your messaging already and that's why I'm so excited for uh, you to win <laughs> because I think that'll that. do tremendous amount of, of good for the Liberty Movement and um, you know to, ha- uh, to have that voice in areas that we're not talking about yet tremendously affect and in the case of Bit, um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies existing at all improve our lives so I am very much excited for that, and I'm glad by your answer. Um, but I wanted to ask you more about um, what you think should be the the priorities, at least f- for you personally, in um, you know getting not just your message out, but the message of liberty in general out there on a national platform what 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 very uh specific things do you plan to do once you're in congress on the messaging front that is well it's a great question and so i think um there's so many things because there's so many different issues but i think like kind of starting like big picture like just framing liberty appropriately like and i think you know like New Hampshire, our slogan is live free or die. So you can kind of frame it like liberty is New Hampshire. Like that's our culture. That's who we are. And I think that's kind of what we need to explain a little more, a little connect a little better. Like this is America. In America, we believe in freedom. Being a conservative means you're trying to conserve liberty and freedom. Um, And that means people are free to start a business and live the American dream and uh, make you know a um, honest living and be free as long as they're not hurting anybody else and that's what it means to support American values I think we need to connect those a little more and then break it down from that all the positions whether it's medical freedom or the Second Amendment or free speech or cutting taxes reducing regulations that's all about promote, promoting and supporting that ideological vision of freedom that that's and that's what being an American is about. Um, in terms of how you do that, like you build up your profile, um, you know, you 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 grow your reach, and then you you make the argument. And we have to make the argument. We have to make the argument to people um, that aren't voting conservative, that aren't voting liberty, people that are Democrats, people that don't give a crap about politics. We need to reach out to all these different segments of the population, and um, you know, that's something I'm looking forward to doing. Yeah. So something I did want to ask you about, because, you know, I think a lot of people take into account since you have been serving in the state legislature, have been taking account your track record so far. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about um, your successes and and your projects that you had going on in the legislature and are still going on um, in what you think you can do to translate those onto the federal level. Sorry, I'm just chewing my food. I've got dumplings. <laughs> if you've noticed, I've been drinking water out of this Dunkin' Donuts and cup, and no, I'm not drinking coffee at like 
I don't know if your listeners can see the time, but it's like 8.30 at night. No, I'm not that much of a coffee addict, <laughs> even though I drink way more coffee now that I make all these fundraising calls than I used to. Um, but it's under control. But um, to answer your question, like bringing stuff I've done in New Hampshire and how you bring that to Congress, you know, I think part of it, it's tough because the what we have in New Hampshire is really, really special. We have many liberty-minded representatives in our state house, and that impact impacts state senate. Um, it impacts it impacts the whole um, all three branches of government. And I think because all three branches have to work together, and so it's made our budget um, more conservative. It's made the laws we've passed better, um, and so it's really hard when you don't have those same numbers. You know, it's hard to you say, oh, we're going to be able to just do that when we take back the majority. Well, we saw in 2016 when Donald Trump was elected, Republicans took the House, they took the Senate back, the deficit still went up, Obamacare wasn't repealed, you know, all these things that they campaigned on. I don't know how many votes so many members of Congress took. It was like 30 or 40 to repeal Obamacare, and then a bunch of them didn't want to do it once they had the chance to. Um, so it's just so corrupt. I think we need to totally clean house um, with corrupt politicians and just change the way Washington is run. Washington, D.C. is run like a mob. Mm -hmm. And until that process is fixed, we're still going to get a bunch of really bad outcomes. New Hampshire, it's the complete opposite. Every single rep that's elected in New Hampshire, their voice matters because any rep can propose bills, can propose amendments, can get roll call votes. That way, the public can know how the representatives are voting, and that public pressure leads to representatives voting voting in a better better way that's more pro freedom often enough. So, until the process is fixed, and that's something I want to point out to the public, but until that's fixed, it's going to continue to be a swamp. Yeah, I I have to agree with that, and then I think some people that leads them to skepticism about. Um, and I think even skepticism about your campaign of, you know, what's the point in, you know, getting someone elected to the federal office when what are they going to be able to do when the system is like this? But I think you made the great point that it's not just about um, what we accomplish on a policy level. It's also about messaging. It's also about what we can do um, that trickles down into other offices and on the state and local level where things really do matter and you know you've done great work on in new hampshire uh so i think you know it is something that people need to consider more especially when they consider uh supporting your campaign which i think they obviously should do and i think if they're not convinced by this um you know hopefully something else can convince them hopefully you you know proven that you know what you're talking about and that you can be that voice will get them on because we do need national figures you know the ron paul revolution worked because ron paul got his voice out there and he used his um status as a congressman to really talk about the things that people weren't talking about and to to redefine the overton window um you know you most people wouldn't think especially if you're coming from a political science angle that 
the Federal Reserve would be a big talking point in an election cycle, that anyone would be talking about yeah. that. And yet it was in, during the 2020 or uh, 2012 uh, Republican primaries. It was a huge talking point, and that's all because of Ron Paul and using his status and using um, his influence, which I'm glad that you seem to be wanting to rep- emulate that and doing more. Yeah. Can I, um, I think it, I just think that's really interesting. Um, so to this day, and I was younger, so it's like, I lived through it, but it, you know, it was more like, I've learned more and more about those campaigns, even though I lived through it as I got older in terms of Ron Paul, but it, it does not make sense that the Felt Reserve was a, like an issue that caught fire with the public, but I think when you think about what's happened with Trump, it does kind of make sense. What Trump really showed is that there is a populist anger. People have been getting screwed. Your podcast is repeal the 20th century and think about, right? So the banking system was taken over by the elites. They basically redirect money from the masses to the elite through things like quantitative easing and printing money. Um, It doesn't just inflate the currency equally. They divert it now in the specific assets that the rich controlled. So that is a giant boondoggle for the for the for the elite, the politically well connected elite. Um, you know, spending, it's the same thing, right? People that are politically well connected get the benefits from the massive government deficits and the working class gets, you know, left with the bag. You could go on and on and on. And I think what Trump showed is that if you if you give the people that are being screwed over this is your enemy and this we need to fight back people will rally behind that i think and what it shows is a pathway for how liberty can be successful how liberty can win and i think this is the one thing that i I think trump could have done a a little bit better is the the enemy that liberty needs to point out it's not rich people or it's not you know people that might not necessarily be from our country when sometimes they might be but the primary enemy the primary reason why people are being screwed over in this country is it's the politicians that are taking away your freedom that are destroying america what your country is supposed to be about if we make that link more succinctly all the people that voted for trump all those kinds of people would absolutely be willing to line up behind Liberty people. And we're already winning at the ballot box. Look in New Hampshire, right? So we're winning on people running on these kinds of messages all around the country. So I think there's this anti-establishment populist messaging and the, the ideology that really should be the champion for the, for the people that want someone that's anti-establishment is Liberty. I, I think if someone truly grasps that and expand that out that that's how liberty wins is by connecting that these are the politicians are the ones screwing you right we unleash you know free people and we unleash innovation by going to war with the political class yeah and i i'm really glad that you bring that up because i think the populist kind of narrative and the populist messaging is what's winning. That is what's winning at the ballot box. That is what people want. And because they are angry, they are unbelievably angry. All you have to do is go to your local gas station and look at the gas pump to understand why they're angry too. 
it you know people yeah. these are people's livelihoods it's not just the game you know uh, people like to to especially politicians like to pretend it's a game but these are people's lives and I'm very appreciative of when we have people you know taking this seriously and and diverting the uh this anger and energy into pursuits that are positive for liberty because we do have populist can some populist candidates who'd go against that and I'm glad that you know we have somebody like you who is a liberty-minded person who's not just saying we we must reject populism or or whatever but is saying okay let's let's use it and divert it into ends that are not contrary to ours we don't want a Bernie Sanders populist you know we don't want more of those kinds we want liberty populist and I'm really glad that yeah you're positioning yourself as one and I think that's going to be very positive um but you know I did want to kind of wrap real quick oh yeah go ahead I was just going to say one thing it also to me this is the other thing because there's some liberty people institutions whatever that don't think liberty really should embrace populism because you're right right populism is not inherently libertarian or conservative or socialist there's been populism movements that embrace all those different elements really less liberty so far and i think that's why it you know once we see it tried out it'll be we'll see so much success but here, here's the crucial thing why would it make sense for for the liberty movement which has been losing steam has, you know, just thinking for decades, right? Look at the repeal of the 20th century where government has grown so rapidly, the establishment, the political class is not Liberty. How could a, you know, how could Liberty win if it's not anti-establishment? It doesn't even make any sense. It's not coherent. Uh, the only way Liberty will win is by embracing anti-establishment um, forces because the establishment is anti-liberty <laughs> so it's just that that it's the only thing that makes sense and the, the good thing is we've got you know a very logical case the the truth is on our side the masses have been screwed by the elites um teaming up with big government we just need to make that argument more effectively yeah i i have to agree with that and you know we we have those beltway dc type libertarians and liberty-minded people who are you know fighting against populism but we should be embracing it as you as you said and you know if we embrace it we can shape it to be a force for good and a force for liberty and i think your campaign is doing that and if you win which i'm you know fingers crossed donated my money and i think everyone else should too um you do win you know we're going to effectively do that and we're going to see major gains because of it but uh, i did want to wrap up so first um i always give my guests an opportunity to promote things and obviously you have things to promote so the <laughs> yeah. floor is yours yeah well well thanks again for having me uh baxter for congress.com baxter and then for baxter for congress.com is my website uh you can donate there if you have crypto, you can donate by crypto, baxterforcongress.com slash crypto slash crypto. Um, and you know, I really appreciate anyone that's able to make a donation. I make a thousand phone calls a week, so I hustle um, and your support goes a long way. 
Yeah, and I have to reiterate, and you know, if I haven't made this clear on Twitter already, uh, I fully endorse Tim's campaign, and I think that if you're in the New Hampshire one and you're not voting for him and you're listening to this um, show, I'm wondering why you're listening to this show. Um, but well, now, now you can vote. See, yes. it's good that you're doing this show. I'm sure there's somebody. I don't know how many listeners you get on average, but I'm sure there's somebody in New Hampshire that will oh, listen yes. to this. Well, and you know, I just had um, Jeremy Kaufman on, so yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, Jeremy had positive things to say about you, and uh, I'm sure you have positive okay. things to say about him. But you know, I did have listeners from New Hampshire, so yeah, if you're involved in the the Free State Project or you're a member of the Libertarian Party, get involved with his campaign. Um, you know, because. He's he's going to do things that are positive for the liberty movement, and um, I will make sure that all those things are linked so you guys have easy access to it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much again, Tim, for coming on. And my uh, pleasure. All good luck to your campaign. I'm rooting for you. Appreciate it, man. Well, thanks for having me again, and have a good night. Yes.